Welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, we will have Mr. Teron Davenport from ESPN talking about the team he covers, the Tennessee Titans, Ricky Minicamp, talking about Malik Willis and more later in the show. And again, where you can catch this show is on, of course, Spotify. You can catch it on Apple Podcasts. You can catch it on Google Podcasts. You can catch it on iHeartRadio. And if you'd like to keep up with the shows, if you would, go ahead and subscribe. And if you like what you hear, hey, go ahead and give me a five-star rating and a review. Thank you. Now, like I mentioned, we do have Teron Davenport later in the show. But up first, like always, we do have the Get It Off Your Chest segment. And of course, this episode is going to feature Mr. Nick Saban. Now, I'm pretty sure everyone has heard his comments by now. Of course, his comments were talking about Nick Nick uh, Nick Saban was out of function. Let me set it up. Nick Nick Saban was out of function. I guess uh, it looked like uh, some kind of function to raise money, but he was talking about how. Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher had the number one recruiting class and how they paid for everyone in that class. And then he mentioned that the player was going to Jackson State and they paid him a million dollars to go there. You know, and of course, rightfully, both coaches of both schools were not very happy with what they heard. First, Jimbo Fisher goes on there and denies what Saban has said, and he definitely, definitely dug into Saban when he was talking about him in the press conference. Now, let's be clear. The press conference was called, and it wasn't one that was called about talking about Texas A&M and whatever. It was called to directly answer what they just heard, and it was pretty clear that Jimbo Fisher was not having any of it. He went scorched earth. He definitely did. He talked about Saban and how he never coached up under him and how he didn't learn the right things to do up under him. And he did under uh, Bobby Bowden over at Florida State, which is where he went to coach up under him before he became a head coach. He talked about uh, a few different things, talked about him have, uh, thinking he's God and Zara football and all those different things. And he was right. He was right to do so. Of course, um, Deion Sanders, who is the coach of Jackson State, had an article in Anscape and addressed it. And he said an interesting point that I was thinking about as well in regards to this whole thing. Sure, Saban's not getting all the recruits. He's he's not getting, you know, I guess he's he's, you know, has a thing about probably in my opinion, thinking about not getting all the recruits and um you know, it kind of stranglehold on on getting all the top guys is kind of uh, slipping, or so he feels, and and it does feel kind of interesting to hear him comment on that. Like, 
like he isn't still getting great recruiting classes. But I digress. But the interesting point that uh, Coach Deion Sanders said is that he may have been speaking to his uh, boosters and donors as well. And I guess he used them as the message. And I can completely agree with Dion there, with uh, Coach Prime, I should say, there. Because, you know, there is all the other things that sounds pretty, like, spoiled that he's, or frustrated, he's, he's frustrated that, you know, things are evening out. The NIL has helped kind of even things out. It does sound that. But it also sounds like he may be talking to his boosters as well to get them to kind of up their game. Like, hey. You know, we got all these other folks that's doing this, doing that and the other. Why aren't you doing it too? So that could be the subliminal message that he could be aiming at his boosters. But an overall theme, I think it was pretty terrible. Uh, You're believing uh, papers and other things. And I don't even know if you even had a credible source to even tell you that about what uh, Jimbo Fisher is doing. I, I certainly don't think you had one when you talked about Jackson State and and Travis Hunter, because even though you didn't mention names, we knew, everyone knew who you were talking about, Nick Saban. Come on now. We're not dumb. Uh, But, you know, you might want to actually, before you throw accusations out, you may want to actually get some credible sources for that, you know? Nah. And another thing. You know, he made all these, these accusations and talks and things like that, and both gentlemen... Uh, Coach Jimbo Fisher and Coach uh, Deion Sanders both mentioned that Saban tried to call them when he did all this and tried to, I guess, apologize to them before, I guess, he had his little public apology or before he had his little apology he put out, I should say. What I want to mention is how, you know, like both coaches mentioned it, he tried to apologize in private for what he did in public. That's a no-no. That is an absolute, absolute no-no. Because if you're going to let everyone see, like Deion, like Coach uh, Deion Sanders said, if you're going to let everyone see how you did everything in terms of the public way uh, of, of coming at people, then we go do this thing for everybody to see. That is the correct and accurate way to do it because you can't, you know, you can't be doing to do all the apologies behind closed doors. But, you know, an interesting thing that's going to happen probably this week or that's coming up is I think it's the SEC coaches spring meetings coming up next week in Destin, Florida. And of course, Coach Jimbo Fisher and Coach Nick Saban will more than likely be there. So it's going to be a quite an interesting scene. When that happens, and like Coach Jimbo Fisher says, he's not afraid of confrontation. He grew up in confrontations. So it's going to be fun, fun, fun to see how that goes. Nick Saban, come on now. Come on now. Cut it out. Cut it out. I know things are different, but you're going to be okay. You, you do coach Alabama, you know. You do have players that have NILs there themselves. You know. Just saying. That's my get off your chest segment for this episode. Up next, you will hear my conversation with ESPN's Teron Davenport. You're listening to a tour in the AFC South with your host, 
Mike Patton. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Going through some things and not quite sure who to turn to? Well, let me tell you about Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching. They offer services ranging from mental health counseling, parenting classes, life coaching services, therapy, alcohol and drug assessments, and so much more. And all the services are monitored by licensed supervisors. Also, they're currently offering free consultations for counseling or life coaching. All you need to do to get started is reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230 to get started. Again, you can reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230. So if you feel you need to talk to someone or know someone that needs to talk to someone, Take the time to reach out to Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching, where the motto is, it costs you your peace of mind, then it is too expensive. Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. On the last episode, we went to Jacksonville, talked about the new things going on there, the new regime. But, of course, we do have to talk about the champions of the division, the Tennessee Titans, of course, there have been a few changes there. And here to talk to me about those changes and the new acquisitions, that would be Mr. Teron Davenport from ESPN. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Good to be on. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on again. You know, of course, the biggest thing that everyone talked about this offseason with the Titans, of course, around the draft was the A.J. Brown trade. Now, I know the temperature was pretty hot. <laughs> around a lot of uh, Titans fans when that happened. Um, you know, what is the temperature around the facility at this point in terms of, uh, you know, kind of moving forward post-AJ? Well, they moved on the moment the trade had happened. That's pretty much – well, I I'll say the day after the trade had happened, they pretty much moved on. Traylon Burks is one of their new receivers along with Kyle Phillips and – it's really just something that they've put behind them. And I, I don't think that there's any turning back that the move is done and, and, and their book is on to the next. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now you did bring up the name Traylon Burks. Of course, the biggest deal that everyone wants to talk about that you see is he only made it through the first 20 minutes of practice, the first practice. I mean, is that really still even talked about among anybody outside of the Titans? Or anybody within the Titans, I should say. No, because the the big part that a lot of people leave out is that he came back and practiced the next day. And I think when you look at like you're not just going to get in shape in one day. It, it was clearly a situation where he was adjusting to some some things as far as the elements are concerned. He had to have an inhaler. They put ice on his neck. That's a telltale sign of overheating. So they were trying to keep him from overheating. I remember that day it got hot pretty quick and he came out there and he took part in individual period. And after three or four reps, he had to go inside, get the inhaler and get the ice, et cetera. He came back to blocking plays and then had to go back inside. But the next day he was there, wasn't sluggish, didn't have any signs of fatigue or anything like that. He obviously could get faster going through the drills and doing those things. But I think when you look at 
him being able to come back the day after and redeem himself, that should really quiet any of the, the talk about him not making it through the first day. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, of course, you know, the other rookie that everyone is talking about is Mr. Malik Willis. He probably had the quote of the of the of the camp so far. Uh said when you pray, you leave it up to God, you work, it's up to you. How do you think he worked out there during the the rookie minicamp? I think he worked well. There were a couple box snaps. He was trying to get the team in and out of the huddle. They had to start over once or twice. But everybody has a certain starting point. And I think when you look at how he got into a rhythm on day two, he hit Traylon Burks on, on a couple passes across the middle. He One was a like a closed window throw with Theo Jackson closing in on it. And it, it was, it was a strike. He had to put some extra spice on that to, to get it in there. And he got it there. He hit Chigakampo on the seam route, a couple quick outs to Mason Kinsey and Kyle Phillips. So he was in a nice little groove. Now Theo Jackson did pick him off, but he came back and he, you know, made some nice passes. So I think he looked overall just, as far as his ability to just kind of work through the different reads and go through the drills and, and execute the way that they wanted him to, I think it was good. And there's still room for progress, a lot of room for progress. He's clearly not ready to go out there and be a starter right now, but that is obviously the goal at some point in the future, and he's working toward it. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a lot of excitement from uh, a lot of Titans fans that they were able to uh, get him where they got him in, in the draft. And, of course, Traylon Burks, a lot of people are trying to do the A.J. Brown comparison. I, I personally feel it's way too soon to do that. But, you know, you're going to get those comparisons when you get, you know, you basically trade him and then get a guy that's similar to him in terms of his build and physique and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think the comparisons are okay as long as you clarify that you're talking about play styles because they do play pretty much the same, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's the thing when you make comparisons, people get caught up into saying that you think that that person's going to have the same success. No, the comparison is just for the sake of okay, this is an idea of how this guy plays, this is how his game is. It's similar to AJ Brown as far as breaking tackles, having a sturdy frame, getting yards after catch, making combat catches, and doing those things. Right, right. That, that's kind of where I was going because, you know, uh, people kind of get carried away and think, hey, he's going to be A.J. Brown. He's going to step right in and do this, this, and this. And, you know, hey, you, you know, they are they are two different people. Um, You know, you did speak on Theo Jackson. Now, for those that aren't aware, Theo is from Nashville, went to John Overton High School, went to Tennessee to play football, and now he's back here, sixth-round pick uh, from Tennessee by the Tennessee Titans. I mean, he's making a name for himself so far with, uh, you know, some fans and also with uh, Coach Mike Brable, who kind of teased him about uh, Rocky Top before he made that interception in practice. Um, you know, what can you say about him? I mean, a lot of people are, are thinking he will be the replacement for replacement for Dane uh, Cruchank. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on him so far? Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that you could match up against tight ends. He gives you the, the linebacker and DB type of mix. Uh, he played the star position at Tennessee in that one year and, and blossomed. So he's definitely someone that can 
be a, a, a dime backer, so to speak. He's going to give you special teams. He has a really good nose for the football. The length and the size is there, too. So it's going to be interesting seeing how he matches up with some of these tight ends, whether it's Evan Ingram, Dawson Knox, Travis Kelsey. And there's plenty on the list. Dallas Goddard. You go on and on. Um, you look at uh, even the rookie, right, Greg Dulcich in, in Denver. So there's going to be a lot of really good tight ends on the schedule, and I expect to see Theo Jackson get a chance to match up because that's what they did a lot with Dane Crookshank. You have similar skill sets as far as what those guys did in college and moving on to the league. Yeah, you know, the one thing I did notice, uh, you know, about the draft with the Titans is they got a lot of guys that were similar to the guys that they, they either previously had or still have. So, you know, or well previously had on most instances, but, you know, I, I got to give kudos to the, uh, to the scouting department for kind of identifying their type of players and bringing those type of players in. Now, of course they still have to perform on the field. However, you know, they do have a certain type of player that they like to bring in. And, uh, you know, one of the more intriguing ones, of course, is uh, Chig Okwanku. Now, I will say he does remind me a lot of Jonu Smith when I see him. And you said that as well about him. And, and I will say I will give you credit because you, you, you basically hoped or, or, or talked it into existence, uh, essentially, uh, on your, your show, uh, which, of course, those are listening, talking with TD, 1025 The Game in Nashville, uh, all the uh, listening platforms. Go check it out. You'll get a lot of information with uh, TD and Chris Sanders. But, you know, back to uh, Chig. I mean, you know, I, I, I look at him as a guy, a lot of untapped potential there. I mean, how do you how did you see him? Kind of, did he did, did he look very fluid running? Did he look like, you know, he's still kind of learning on the go? Or did he pick up things pretty quickly? Yeah, no, I think when you look at Chig Okonkwo, that comparison to John o. Smith is there. Again, play types and body types as well. Um, you look at 6'3", 238, or Janu was 6'3", 248. Mm -hmm. Akapo, 6'2", 238, so very similar. Just like A.J. Brown and Traylon Burks, we're talking 6'2", 225 to 6'1", 225. So if you watch the way that they play, how they carry the football, once they get their hands on it, uh, they're able to turn into running backs, so to speak, and they have like that angry running style. So that's where the comparison is. And then the fact that they're so athletic and versatile, you can move them all over the place, work split zone. You can work them at H, uh, line up outside in the slot, inline, all of those things. So that's what you would expect from, from him. Now, that's a lot to ask for uh, a rookie, right? But you look at what we saw initially, one of the things that stood out to me, and I talked to him about it when, when he was a guest this week on the show, was how he was communicating. There was a lot of communication coming from him directly, and that kind of stood out to me. But then also just being able to be in the mix and, and start to form a nice relationship with Malik Willis. They connected a few times on some seam routes. So, And he's he's got that number, 85. And <laughs> one guy that did a lot with the seam routes that wore that number is, is Vernon Davis, who happens to be from the same school. So I thought that was pretty cool that he got 85. It has nothing to do with Vernon Davis. He told me that was his original number that he first got in football, and it was just a message to him when he saw it was available. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of symmetry going on with numbers and things like that as well. Um, 
you know, we, we did, you know, going into the rookies and the rookies that a lot of people know. What are some of the rookies that you, you kind of are, are high on that uh, people may not know about? I know there's a wide receiver that you have mentioned a few times. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, Kyle Phillips is starting to gain a little more popularity. He's a really good slot receiver, very polished, does a really good job tempo on his routes and just breaking them off, snapping them real nicely at the top of the route. So that's someone, but a lot of people already know about him. You want to look at someone who's just kind of completely under the radar that could play, and that's Reggie Roberson or Robertson. He made a couple catches. He's out of SMU. He made a couple catches in rookie minicamp. And that's a guy that when he's healthy, he's a speed demon. And you get really good punt or excuse me, kickoff returns. But then he also is someone that could catch the ball, make a move, and, and be gone and, and take it a distance, which is something the Titans need. They have to figure out ways to get explosive plays in the passing game. And the thing with, with Robertson and why he was an undrafted free agent is because of the knee. He had a knee injury in 2020. He came back in 2021, had a solid year, but wasn't exactly the same as he was before. But you go back and watch 2019, 2020 film, you'll be very, very impressed with, with Robertson. So that's a guy that kind of come out of the, the woodworks and he he could definitely push for a spot. I mean, you know, that you can, you're not going to turn down speed. And, you know, the Titans definitely, like you mentioned, need more of it. Um, just want to dab into the uh, the free agency uh, market just a little bit. You know, Jamarco Jones, you know, they got him from Seattle. They got Austin Hooper from Cleveland. They went and got uh, and traded for Robert Woods from the Rams. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, definitely pieces that were needed, I should say. Um, in your opinion, um, you know, how do you see those guys in terms of just fitting into this offense? Yeah, but I, th I think the fit is going to be even more important with AJ Brown not being there because you got a 23% target share, and he's someone that Tannehill targeted more than any other pass catcher that he's played with since uh, being with the Titans. So you have to keep that in mind. And now you look at Hooper, I think he's going to really benefit Robert Woods too, and even Burks when I mean, they could work those routes in the middle of the field because that's where Tannehill would like to throw, especially off the play action. So I could see, you know, play action seam routes to Hooper, play action crossers or glance routes to Burks and also to Robert Woods. Both of those guys should really benefit from, from that. And I think all, all three of them actually, Hooper, uh, Woods and Burks, they're, they're going to be in good shape just as far as getting more opportunities. So I, I, I think, you, you know, they'll fit in nicely. Uh, Jamarco Jones was still – going to need to see, okay, is he going to left guard, right tackle? Where are you going to put him? I don't know that he's a starting caliber player. I really have to watch more of him and just see how he comes along. But they clearly feel that he's someone that could compete for it. So that's really what the fit is going to look like. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So, you know, we went over, of course, the rookies, the rookie camp, uh, the kind of the feel about that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how the team's going to be when, when everyone comes together and, and kind of, you know, starts filling out each other and, and, you know, the pieces start falling into play. But I have a few questions for you. I do like to play a little game on my show, give you a couple answers and uh, give you a couple people and, you know, see if maybe you may have a choice on those. Are you ready? Yep. All right. First up is 
you know, the backup running back position, of course, you know, they did draft Haskins. They do have Hilliard. Which one do you think will actually have the more impact? I think you got to put Jordan Wilkins in the mix, too. Um, okay. So, and Trenton Cannon. I think Hilliard will probably have more impact because he figures to be their third down guy uh, between him and, and Wilkins and Cannon. So, I, I think it's going to be out of those guys. Haskins is definitely a good, I want to keep pounding you type of back. So, I think he'll have an impact, but it's really going to come down to who could be that third down player. Gotcha. All right. The next one is, uh, you know, two wide receivers. They both got drafted last year. Uh, one got off to a rough start and the other just kind of hung in there. That would be uh, Fitzpatrick or McMath. Which one do you think has a better chance to have an impact on the wide receiver room? Yeah, that's, that's a tough question. I, I would say McMath because he played more snaps and he seems to be a guy that, that they like a little bit better. But, I mean, Fitzpatrick, he just needs to play with more sense of urgency. And that's what he started to do you know, after having a slow start in camp and being released. So I, I'll go with McMath because I think not only as a receiver, but special teams, they really go to him for that. So – yeah, McMath would be the one I would pick. Now, I, I did say something crazy last year, and I, I I don't know if we talked about it or not, but I was looking at McMath at one point and thinking, are they ever gonna are they gonna switch him to play tight end? I did think that, you know, but I I, I don't know that was probably out there on that thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, Derrick Henry is coming back off an of injury, um, so. You know, the production could potentially be down, of course, without A.J. Brown as well, without, you know, so could be more people crowding the line of scrimmage. So do you see more him getting 1,200 yards or more 1,500 yards this year? Uh, Derek Henry, I think he's going to be in the 1,500-yard range, and that's that's not unreasonable for him to do. I mean, that's less than 100 yards per game. And <laughs> very capable of doing that. And we have to remember, because a lot of people, they look at these numbers and they say, oh, well, you know, he was off to a, a bad start compared to his full years and other, other seasons. Well, you have to remember a lot of Derrick Henry's production is backloaded during the year. So we never got to see that hot spot, that, that prime where, where he really takes off. We didn't get to see that last year. And he still ended up in the top 10 in rushing yards, despite not playing the second half of the season. So that just lets you know right there. Got you. Um, let's see. Now, we did talk about this and kind of glance on this one. Uh, you know, the right tackle battle. No one knows who's going to play right tackle. You got Dylan Radens. You got a uh, potential candidate in Jamarco Jones. Uh, now, you kind of hinted to this earlier uh, in that right tackle battle. Um, between those two, you probably would, uh, if you had to pick today, you probably would pick Radens, correct? Probably. I mean, that's – you want your second-round pick to be a starter, and I think he's better suited for right tackle than left guard. So, Gotcha, gotcha. And last but certainly not least, we've got um, Hooper, Swain, and Chig Okwankum. Now, if you know if things are to work out correctly and the Titans are, are to be a successful team, what do you think the order of importance of those tight ends should be? 
Well, it's, it's pretty clear that, that Swain is their blocking tight end, occasional pass catcher. And, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as order of importance, I, I don't know, you know how to place that in, in an order. They need contributions from all three of them. And I think when you look at Austin Hooper, a lot of people don't realize that you could put him in the slot and he could work out for you. You could flex him and you could do some things. But with, with a Conquo, it's just a versatility, H-back, you know, in line. Flex, you could even line him up in the backfield and motion him out wide. Like, there's a lot you could do to create matchups. So, I think he's going to be a matchup guy. Hooper is just going to be a consistent pass catcher, and Swain is going to be a guy in red zone as well as a blocker. Okay, all right. Well, those are my questions for you. Uh, I, I definitely thank you for giving us a kind of a, an inside look of what's going on with the Titans, of course, with the rookies, and of course, next week. The OTAs start, so it ought to be pretty interesting with everyone around. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, find your work, uh, find you on social media? Yeah, you just go to ESPN.com on the NFL page. You click Teams and Titans comes up, and you could read all the Titans' work there. And then, obviously, uh, TheGameNashville.com. You could search Talking with TD on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, everywhere. You get podcasts. So those are a couple things that you could check out. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you again for your time. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. You've been tuned in and watching Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. We're out.